Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every name should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Will you go to the Lord in prayer with me this morning? Heavenly Father, as we come to this precious moment in our worship service, we thank you for the grace and mercy that you have shown to us through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And as we come this morning, indeed, reflecting on the very life of our Master and King, we pray that we never grow weary of expressing our thanks to you for all that you have done through your Son. Father, so often I feel it is a tendency we ought to be on guard against that we never take for granted the message of the gospel and what you have accomplished on our behalf, on behalf of wicked men through Christ. So, Father, as we look at our passage this morning and as we are indeed reminded uh, of that very truth, I pray that you would grant us grace this morning that as we are reminded of the gospel of Christ, that it would taste sweet to us, that the more and more we hear of Christ and what he accomplished on our behalf, that it would become sweeter and sweeter and that we could say with the Apostle Paul that we are not ashamed of the gospel for we know it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. So Father, give us eyes to see and ears to hear this morning that we may be able to comprehend that which you will say to us this morning through what you've already said in your word. We pray all this in Christ's name who is our all-sufficient prophet, priest, and king. Amen. Well, this morning we are going to be looking at our text under the subject head of having the mind of Christ. And we pull that from verse 5, where we read, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. And so we pick up this morning in our study of this letter, Uh, here in chapter 2. Now, if you'll remember with me, uh, back several weeks ago when we started our little mini-series through uh, this letter to Philippi, uh, we looked at together uh, in the beginning verses uh, of chapter 1, looking at Paul's grateful uh, remembrance uh, for the Philippians. And later on, to conclude uh, that those opening verses, we looked at Paul's prayer uh, also on behalf of Uh, of the Philippians. Now, something to keep in mind that we have tried to remind ourselves each week is Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi from house arrest in Rome. And so, beginning in verse 12, what we looked at in our second uh, sermon there in our second uh, study was we looked at Paul's encouragement to the Philippians that despite of the circumstances surrounding 
of Paul's imprisonment despite the circumstances of the motives, of the wicked motives of those that were preaching a Christ, he encouraged them that the gospel was indeed going to advance. Uh, that even though on the outside looking in it looked like that was not going to be the case, Paul encourages them that that indeed uh, would be the case. And then we looked at from last week in our time together, uh, starting in verse 19 to conclude uh, chapter 1, we looked uh, really at the foundation of Paul's joy. Uh, if you'll remember with me, in verse 18, if you'll look there with me, we read, What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. And so we know that Paul was joyful. We know that he was joyful because Christ was being preached. But we looked at deeper last week the basis of Paul's joy, the foundation of Paul's joy, which in summation ultimately was rooted in the person Jesus Christ. And so as we concluded our passage from last week, we began to kind of get into some instruction uh, from the Apostle Paul. Uh, I want to read again uh, from chapter 1, verses 27 through 30, to kind of remind us of what we looked at last week. Uh, so there, beginning in verse 27... The Apostle Paul writes, Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened in anything by your opponents. And this is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. And so I wanted to call your attention back to what we read last week, because this morning we're looking at this issue of humility. And this kind of attaches itself to of those latter verses from chapter 1 to that command that Paul gives us in verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And so, here in chapter 2, Paul attaches this uh, idea of walking worthy of the gospel of Christ, and he does so through the idea of humility. And specifically, uh, this morning we are going to look at the imitating Christ and His humility, having the mind of Christ uh, in humility. And so how, how do we do this? How, how is this going to happen, you may ask? And I'm so glad you asked. I feel like you guys here at Burton seem to ask the right questions. Uh, so let's look together at our passage and see how we are to walk worthy of the gospel of Christ in imitating him in his humility. So, in verses 1 and 2, Paul begins uh, this, this, our text this morning by stating a goal here. And there's a goal that, that Paul has in mind here, and that is this goal of, of humble unity. So the first thing we're going to look at together this morning uh, is the foundation 
and description of humble unity. So if you're writing notes this morning, that is our first subject here. So there, there's a foundation for this humble unity that Paul states here in verses 1 and 2. Now this is a point I don't want us to miss uh, this morning. And so he says in verse 1, So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. And so Paul attaches this idea of unity, this idea of humble unity this morning to something. He attaches it to something. And to be more specific, he attaches it to a person. And so I want to bring to our attention this morning that the very foundation of this humble unity stems from the Lord Jesus Christ. And indeed, the very foundation of life itself stems from the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so that is something I think we can see here together this morning uh, that we find Paul actually so often doing uh, in his letters uh, is that he attaches that very union uh, of our, with our lives to Christ. Uh, if you can think with me in his letter to the book of, in his letter to the Ephesians, for example. Uh, he connects the very reality of marriage to our union uh, with Christ. Uh, in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 through 25, we read, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. And so we see him here connecting the marriage relationship to their union with Christ. We also see this in his letter to the church at Colossae, for example, in chapter 3, in, verses 20, in chapter 3, verses 22, through chapter 4, verse 1, where there Paul there connects their relationships between master and slaves uh, to their union uh, with Christ. We read, beginning in verse 22 of chapter 3 in the book of Colossians, Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, treat your bondservants justly and fairly, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Now these two passages are just a few examples uh, but my point is that Paul connects the very realities of life uh, to our union with Christ. And that indeed includes this idea that he presents to us in our text of humble unity. And so he connects all of that with our union with Christ. And following that, he lists some results of the benefits of that unity with Christ. Uh, and these benefits that he gives as a result of our union with Christ, give encouragement, as the language of our text uses in verse 1. It's saying, so if there is any encouragement, right? And so these benefits are comfort from His love, participation in the Spirit, 
and affection and sympathy, as we see in verse 1. Or, I like how the NASB translates a sympathy there. They use compassion uh, there. And so, just to summarize here before we move on in our text, is all, all of these benefits summarize the very a salvation that we enjoy uh, if we are in Christ. And so we can be encouraged, right? Paul is saying we can be encouraged by the comfort from his love, knowing that he loves us with an unimaginable love. We can be encouraged because we share in the indwelling of his spirit in our souls. And we can be encouraged because he is tender and compassionate toward us in our union with Christ. So there is a there is a foundation to this humble unity. And the foundation is our union with Christ. And we receive wonderful benefits through that. So the foundation is, is indeed our union in Christ. And after, after he talks about this foundation here, after he gives those wonderful benefits of this foundation in verse 1, Paul then gives an exhortation. Paul then gives an exhortation. Verse 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. So this unity here, this wonderful truth of our union in Christ and all of its wonderful benefits involves a one-mindedness. Now we must be clear this morning that this does not mean that uh, the believers here at Philippi are going to see everything the same way. Uh, the marriage relationship, I think, again here is another a good example of this. The husband and the wife will not always see things the same. But in a faithful marriage... They will have one mind, meaning that they, they may see things differently. They know what their ultimate goal is, and they seek to achieve that together. And that is what Paul is exhorting the believers uh, here at Philippi to have, and, and also exhorting us here at Burton as well to have, is to have a unity of mind that although we may see things differently and may have slight disagreements here and there about things, we must one-minded in the gospel, in the proclamation of the gospel with the ultimate goal of bringing glory to the Father in all that we do. And so, Paul relates our union with Christ here in our opening verses to our relationships with others. Uh, Verse 2, having the same love, being in full uh, accord and of one mind. And so, friends, what Paul is saying to the believers at Philippi here and to us today, is that our unity, our humble unity is rooted and grounded in the person and work and our union, in the person and work of Christ and our union with Him. And that that very unity is worked out by the Spirit in our relationships with our brothers and sisters. And this very work is demonstrated through selflessness which leads us into verses 3 and 4. Which leads us into verses 3 and 4, which read, again, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility 
count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So now we move on in our passage uh, to this idea of selflessness, this selflessness that leads to this humble unity, this humility uh, that we will find. Uh, Now there is something I want us uh, to notice here. Uh, Paul here, kind of similarly uh, to what we find in Ephesians 4, uh, we can kind of see this, this putting on, this putting, this putting off, this putting on kind of a language here. All right, so what's going on in Ephesians chapter 4? Well, he's telling the believers at Ephesus there that in their growth toward Christ's likeness, they are to put off the wicked deeds of the flesh, They are to be renewed in their minds, uh, and they are to put on the new man. And similarly, I think we can see here in our our text this morning that he's basically doing the same thing. He's basically telling the believers here, in essence, to put off uh, selfish ambition and conceit, which these things, as we will find, usually lead uh, to disunity, okay, and And we are to have nothing to do with that. We are to have nothing to do with our selfish desires. We are to have nothing to do with baseless boasting, which is what conceit really is, is this baseless boasting. We are to have nothing to do with those things. And so, in essence, what Paul is saying is do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Put off these things. Put off selfish ambition. Put off conceit. Have nothing to do with them. I can remember hearing stories of a church uh, that I know of that has had several splits in the past, three I can think of, namely. And I remembering that one of those splits literally uh, was due to the color of the carpet. Ridiculous, right? How can we imagine a church, a church that that claims to be preaching the gospel of Christ, right? How can we imagine that 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 church would be splitting over the color of a carpet? But really, friends, we are seeing that similar thing happen all the time. Churches are splitting over carpet color, over political views, over social views. And it's because people are not putting off their selfish ambitions, right? Instead, they are clinging to them. They are putting them on. And they are boasting about things that mean absolutely nothing. And, what it's, and what's happening is it's causing disunity in the church and the people of God over things that absolutely do not matter. Over things that absolutely do not matter. And so Paul here... He's urging, he's exhorting the believers here at Philippi. He says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Have nothing to do with those things. And so friends, may we here at Burton not be like those churches who are clinging to those things, but may we put off those things. Let's put off our selfish ambition. Let's put off our conceit. And let's put on 
Paul says in verses 3 through 4, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So, now we're moving from this idea of, of doing, uh, have nothing to doing, doing nothing with our selfish ambition, having nothing to do with conceit, putting those things off. And now we are moving on into the portion of our text where we are to put on, if you will, humility. Now this humility here that Paul is, is, is referring to is not a self-deprecating view. It's not that we are thinking lowly of ourselves because we are weak or broken or anything like that, although we are those things outside of Christ, right? But it's this idea of humility that, that Paul uses here. It's this idea of a mindset that esteems others, their desires, that esteems others' desires and their needs above their own. And so we put on humility by viewing others' interests and tending to them. We view their interests above ours. I love what a quote from a commentator reads. It reads this, We put on humility also by viewing their interests and tending to them. We view their interests above ours like a commander in the military must make decisions based on an intel and specific goals. The believer is to evaluate others' interests more important than their own. See how that would unify the church? See how that would unify the people of God? That if we put off our selfish ambitions and our conceit by putting on humility and esteeming others' needs and desires before our own, you see how that would bring much unity to the people of God? But notice with me in verse 4, he says, let each of you, let each of you. He doesn't just say, let the elders at Philippi do this. He doesn't just say, let the deacons at Philippi do this. He says, let each of you. He says, everyone's included. Everyone's included. The leaders are included. All of God's people are to do this. All of God's people are to do this. And so humble unity, friends, is rooted in our union with Christ. And selflessness is then the way to that humble unity, to that humility. And that's what we should all be doing putting off the selfish ambition and conceit and putting on humility. And so, Paul goes on to point us to an example of this. And he points us to Christ. Verses 5 through 8 read once again, I have this mind Right, So have this mind. What's Paul talking about? Right, He's referring back to those opening verses. Having this mind of, of putting off selfish ambition, putting off conceit, and putting on humility. 
counting others more significant than ourselves, right? It's this mind that we should have. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So just in these few verses here this morning, we will find for us some deep and some wonderful truths that at the heart of them boggle the mind and will start to help. Now, due to uh, time's sake this morning, we are not going to be able to dive deep uh, into these truths. Really, there is, there is so much here. You could have an entire series on just these few verses. Uh, but this morning, I just want us to look at them in the light of our passage and, and this, with this subject matter of having the mind of Christ Hopefully I pray that we can glean some things from what the Apostle Paul writes in pointing to Christ as our example of humility. Just to give you an idea of just how deep this portion of Scripture is, allow me to read what one commentator wrote. He writes, saying, The literature on Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11, has become virtually unmanageable. Scholars have produced whole books on single terms in this passage. So maybe that will give you an idea of just how deep uh, this portion of Scripture is. Uh, But uh, this morning I just want us to look at, for a moment, if you will, we will not do this portion of Scripture justice, but for a moment, if you will, let's steer our eyes to Christ, okay? Let's look at him as our ultimate example. Look with me at verse 6. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So what is Paul Paul doing here? What, What is he teaching us here. Well, Paul simply teaches, along with the whole of Scripture here, the deity of Christ. He is teaching the fact that Jesus is indeed God. And as fallen human beings, I, friends, I think we simply cannot even begin to comprehend the infinite height of God the Son in His glory. Right? Our, our selfish desires baseless boasting that you, that you and I are so tempted to do is ridiculous compared to Christ. Christ is God, and his desires are completely deserving of fulfillment, of fulfillment. His will is to be accomplished, and his will will be accomplished. In Psalm 115, chapter 115, verse 3, it says, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Listen, friends, Christ can boast about his goodness. He can boast about his accomplishments. And he demands true 
worship because He is worthy of it all. But we see in our text this morning in verse 6 that although He was in the form of God, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. Right? But He emptied Himself. But He emptied Himself. If you will... I would like to read a portion of the London Baptist Confession of Faith to kind of put this into perspective, uh, if you will, of this idea of Christ's humility. But not only that, uh, we can't even begin to comprehend the heights of His glory uh, as well. We can't even begin to imagine the heights of the glory that He stepped down from. Uh, if you will. So, in this portion of the London Baptist Confession of Faith, we read, The Lord our God is but one, only living and true God, whose substance is in and of himself, infinite in being and perfection, whose essence cannot be comprehended by any but himself, a most pure spirit, invisible, without body, parts, or passions, who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, who is immutable, immense, eternal, incomprehensible, almighty, every way infinite, most holy, most wise, most free, most absolute, working all things according to the counsel of his own immutable and most righteous will for his own glory, most loving, gracious, merciful, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and sin, the rewarder of them that diligently seek him, and withal most, most just and terrible in his judgments, hating all sin, and who will by no means clear the guilty. And so friends, we cannot even begin to imagine the heights from which Christ stepped down and yet Paul says in our text, this was the mind of Christ. This is the mind of Christ that we ought to have. Look with me at verses 7 through 8. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And so, friends, not only can we not grasp the height from which Christ descended, we cannot even begin to fathom the depth either. I love what J.R. Packer has to say about this. He says, we see now what it meant for the Son of God to empty himself and become poor. It meant a laying aside of glory, a voluntary restraint of power, an acceptance of absolution, absolution, malice, and misunderstanding. Finally, a death that involves such agony, spiritual, even more than physical, that he mind nearly broke under the prospect of it. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, Paul writes there, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, 
forsake. He became poor so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. So that you, by his poverty, Friends, this is the humility of Christ. This is the humble actions that Christ Himself, the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, this is the example that we are to look at. Let us imitate Him. Let us look to Him as our perfect example. Let our heart's affection be placed on Christ. And strive to be more like Him in His humility. He has set the example. And let us put forward with every fiber of our being to be more like Him in His humility. Have this mind among yourselves which is yours. We could, there are those that, that have their uh, mountaintop verses, if you will, in Scripture. And this could be one of those for us. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Have the same mind that Christ had. All right, friends, let us put off selfish ambition. Put off our baseless boasting. Because we have no need to boast in anything. And let's put on humility. Let's deem others' needs and desires above our own. And through that, that's going to cause unity among us as well. So friends, what is, what is the purpose of all of this? What is, what is the purpose of putting off, having nothing to do with, Selfish ambition and conceit. What is the purpose of, of putting on humility? Right? What is the purpose of, of having the mind of Christ? What is the ultimate purpose of all these things? I'm so glad you asked again. In verses 9 through 11, we read concluding with this. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God. So in these verses here this morning, friends, we see the purpose of such humility. And that is glorification. Contrary to the self-seeking ambition and empty conceit that so characterizes humanity, outside of Christ we see that the Father, God the Father, honors Christ's humility with exaltation. 
God the Father rewarded the humility of God the Son with exaltation. He gave him the highest place at his right hand. Right, we read in Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God. So God the Father also gave God the Son the name, right, the name at which every knee would bow and to which every tongue would confess that He is Lord to the glory of God. And so the Father honored the Son with exaltation. He gave Him the highest place, the highest honor at His right hand. And He gave Him a name, that a name at which every knee will bow and which every tongue will confess that He is indeed Lord of all. And so the Father honored the Son's humility here by giving Him such exaltation. And we can see this prophesied for us in Psalm chapter 2. The entirety of the chapter, if you will allow me, I'd love to read this. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds in apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs and the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell of the decree the Lord said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O kings, be wise, be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. But why is, this all, why is all this important? Why does all of this matter? The key point, verse 11, look with me again. To the glory of God the Father. That is, that is the key point. In our humility, we do so in order to bring glory to God. Christ was humbled. He humbled Himself, and as a result, He received the reward from God the Father, which ultimately brought glory to God the Father. God received glory through the humiliation of His Son. Because Christ was obedient in that humility, God the Father exalted Him. And through the exaltation of Christ, that brings about glory. Friends, we have looked at very, not as in-depthly as we could have, only for time's sake, but 
Friends, we have looked at this morning an incredible passage of Scripture, really with some deep theological truths, but may we not miss the wonders of this passage. Friends, we are called to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And part of that is by putting on humility, imitating Christ in his humility. And that is, friends, to simply follow Christ, the Son of God. King of kings and Lord of lords, who is our ultimate example that we should be following. So, let us have the mind of Christ. Let us put off selfish ambition and conceit. Christ did that on our behalf. And friends, we are so undeserving of that. And the least we can do as reasonable servants is to give our bodies as living sacrifices. And we do that in one way by putting on humility. That is one way we do it. Let us be a look to Christ. Well, if you will, allow me to close this in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your grace. We are so thankful for your word in which we see that very grace that you have granted us. We see that fulfilled ultimately in the person and work of Christ. Lord, we thank you for Christ. We thank you for the example that he has set before us, the example that we should follow the goal that we should strive toward with every fiber of our being, and that is being like Christ, being like Him in His humility. Father, we pray that you would help us to do so, help us to be a humble people, that we wouldn't be a people of baseless boasting, boasting and that which we have uh, no need to boast in. But Lord, the only thing that we can boast in is in Christ and what he has accomplished on our behalf. And if we are in union with Christ, then we have every right to boast, but not of ourselves, but of him and of your grace shown toward us through him. And so Lord, help us meditate on these 
truths this morning. Lord, that again, that we would be an obedient people, obedient to your word, that we would allow your word to transform and indeed renew our minds, Lord, so that we can by your spirit indeed do the very act of putting off the old man, putting on the new man. So Lord, we ask that you would grant us this by your grace and grow us grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We ask all this and we pray all of these things in his name.